It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And we are going to be doing something a little bit different today. Brian and I uh, co-hosted together on July 4th on 105.3 The Fan. And we talked about a number of Cowboys topics and so we decided that we would just bring those discussions to you guys today uh, for Love of the Star. And so this is a little bit different a format than we usually do, uh, but we wanted to bring this to you guys as some bonus content uh, for the July 4th holiday. Uh, so this was the first discussion we had. There's some news about Jerry Jones and a documentary on his life. Uh, and so we had talked about that on Tuesday morning. So we've talked about this already a little bit that a NFL films slash Skydance Productions, Skydance Sports docuseries, 10-part docuseries. Who's about, got Skydance, by the way? I don't it, know. Okay. Is that like... I, I was thinking maybe somebody famous. If it, It's like a Clint Eastwood huh. kind of a deal. I'll or look something. it up. I'll find out yeah. for you. But Skydance Sports and NFL films are working on this docuseries about Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. It will be a 10-part docuseries. It was announced in May, and we now know where it will be. Netflix has purchased the docuseries yeah. for $50 million. How about that? Just keep printing money over there, don't we? $5 million <laughs> an episode? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's significant. It is significant. But look, if there was... I mean, you want to talk about figures in the sports world. Is there anybody... I think you'd have very few people. Love him or hate him. There are very few people that I think... I'd want to see a documentary about more than Jerry Jones. Okay, you're absolutely right. And I worked for the man for 14 years. He is a fascinating person. Now, you can hate him for football things that he's done, but working for him, he I owe him a lot. I owe that family a lot. They gave me two careers. They hired me on as a scout, and they let me work on DallasCowboys.com. So I really, and I still do work with DallasCowboys.com. So I really do appreciate everything the Jones family does. I hope that people, I hope that Netflix gets their money's worth from this, though. I'd like to believe this might be the one thing that, this might be the one thing that people go back on and look at Jerry Jones' life kind of a deal. That this is the, you know, he is 80 years old and I'm not trying to be morbid and all those things. But this might be the this might be the chronicling of his life, and I and I I don't know how far back I want to go in that life, but <laughs> or, I or I, how deep, <laughs> yeah. But th- he is a fascinating man, and there are things that he has done 
that I'm sure that they're not going to be able to get on Netflix. Now, here's the thing that's very interesting about Jerry is, and you just kind of spoke about how grateful you are to him. I'm very grateful to Jones family. family. I really am. There's a little bit of a perception at times I know we get here in the media where people go like, oh, you're you're scared to ask Jerry this or that or, oh, you you're only asking Jerry this because he controls all the questions. He's making you this. I cannot tell you how far from the truth it is to say Jerry genuinely will not get in the way of things you want to talk about. Not at all. Not at all. I'm you as an employee on on DallasCowboys.com. He tried to fire his head coach. Three years. Somebody he views as his son for three three years. years. Three years. He, he, three years. And I'll tell you what, how, I'm going to tell you how hard it is to work for DallasCowboys.com. And if you ever ask David Hellman this question, or anybody that's ever worked at DallasCowboys.com, they allow you the platform to be super critical when you need to be. And but they also expect you to be fair. You know, those are the two things they ask: be critical, but be fair about it. And that's the thing that that for I know for three years, myself, David Hellman, getting on airplanes, going with the team to the places on road trips, we'd have to walk through the coaches section up there in first class, and every one of those eyes would turn to you like, "Oh, there are the SOBs that picked against us this week." Yeah. Oh, there are the SOBs that are trying to get us fired. Oh, those are the SOBs that that are you know talking about us in a way that maybe ownership you know could deem. Oh, they might be right. See, that's the thing that I that is a very very difficult job. You think working for the Cowboys is easy? It's not because the Joneses allow you to make it to where you could be super critical. Oh, Jerry, Jerry wants. A, essentially, he, he wants ex- Dallas Cowboys.com. He wants it to be a news organization, yeah. and, and he wants unfiltered coverage. Yeah. He wants it. He wants it genuine. He does not want a propaganda wing. Not at all. He is, I, he is not Dan Snyder. I'll never forget this. We were we were in Oxnard one year. This one was with DallasCowboys.com. It's probably two three years ago, and Jason Garrett brings like all the staff, the people that are there, like in marketing and DallasCowboys.com and yep. you know, all the people together, everybody but football operations people. So he's having this rah-rah meeting. And I looked at Derek Eagleton, I go, man, I do not feel good about being in this meeting. And it got to the point where Garrett actually took it personally, where he he like, okay, everybody else in the in the in the of the team of the group got hoodies, mm-hmm. got Yetis. Got you know, got all the things. Mysteriously, DallasCowboys.com stuff all got lost. Couldn't find it. Oh. Didn't know where it was. That I mean, kind of thing. Like TV, all these people got like So everything everybody else, theirs were were accounted for. Everybody else's stuff mm. was accounted for, but DallasCowboys.com. And I looked at Derek Eagleton and I go, Hey boss, I go, you know what? We don't need to do this anymore. We really don't. Because if they're gonna if if we're going to be critical of these guys, we got to we got to separate this. We can't be the rah rah, you know that kind. Of, and you know we're part of the team and all that of the organization. But Derek agreed, and the next year we didn't we didn't go to the rah rah meeting, you know, because like we we felt like that it was more important to be separate from that, and 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 give the type of coverage that the fans deserve. Who do you think in in that? 
building and the history of that building when you were working at DallasCowboys.com just despised you the most. It was like, oh, I want to punch Brian Broaddus in the oh, face. Oh, Brill Garrett, Jason's wife, really <laughs> hated me. She, Matter of fact, we were getting uh, uh, Larry Wansley, who was in charge of security for the Cowboys. Great guy. I'd worked with Larry in NFL, a legend. In NFL Europe. He was a, like a, he was a spy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, he's, he's, he's a legitimate legend. He's a legitimate legend. Spy guy. And so he uh, he set it up to where we could all get global the global access mm-hmm. to uh, you know we could, and we just all he had to do was go downstairs and register and we got it and man it's just so easy to travel in and out of the country or you know TSA approved and all that so Larry sets that up Jason and Brill Garrett are down there getting set up the same time I am mm-hmm. and I'll never forget Jason that he the hate smile was number one. <laughs> She wanted nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. And like the looks, comments, I, and I knew it. I, I mean, you could you could feel it when people were, uh, you know, that they wanted nothing to do with you. The football operations guys were the same way. Because when you fire head coaches, football operations guys then get fired too because maybe they want to bring in their own Rob Davis yep. or, or somebody like that. So those guys in football operations were looking for any reason to get rid of me. They literally were looking for reasons for me to move on and hopefully and hopefully and trying to create opportunities for me to move on. I, I sometimes uh, wonder just doing the beat because you know this. We yeah. we talk about them a certain way and it, it's funny. Almost everybody on the beat has a story about somebody in in the building uh whether they're there or not or not just take an issue with something you wrote and just saying like hey come here for a sec yeah and and, and just saying like i did not like that that, yeah. that wasn't fair and so you'll you'll get some of that sometimes i i i feel like it's gotten quieter since mccarthy went in there i wonder if they just choose their like we're not even gonna well the thing about it i'll tell you the one that i dealt with was I, i've always told a story i think people have heard this maybe if you're new to the program you know welcome the time that Jerry Jones confronted me in Valley Ranch. Oh, yeah, when you're walking down the hall? Walking down the hall, and he was coming right at me, and I'm thinking I'm just going to have a normal conversation with Jerry Jones, and I'm like, hey, Mr. Jones, how's it going? He's like, hey, Brian, great. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, hey, by the way, you're kicking my ass pretty good right now. And I go, and all I could say was, I go, yes, sir. And he goes, but you're fair. You've been fair about it. Keep up the great work. Doing a great job. Love you on DallasCowboys.com. And I, you know, I literally went to my office and closed the door and almost, I started almost crying. (laughs) I really did. Tears were running down my face because I thought, well, that was it. I thought I was done. But you know, the Jones family, they totally will work with you on things. Totally work with you on things. But like I said, there are people in that organization that do, they they don't like you. They don't like me. They don't like people that are questioning their jobs. Yeah, that, which, you know, I, which I get also from their perspective. Yeah, like like I would, I if you know we're in a certain position that if you know given our job, if somebody's trying to tell me how radio is supposed to go or this or that, yeah. there are times where it's like if you if you've not done the job before, right. how do you know what this job entails and what you're supposed to? Do? Right. So I get I get that same sort of understanding of like you don't have my job, so you don't know what my job is. How right. do you so I understand when they get frustrated by it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about it is you just got to get, you know, you got to get used to knowing that that's going to be the case, that you're going, you're in a building where you're likely not going to be the favorite. A lot of people, I I remember working in scouting and listening to guys like Todd Archer Mm -hmm. and Clarence Hill and guys like that, Calvin Watkins, uh, 
Tim McMahon at the time. I remember those guys saying stuff about the team and like and like people would be like at lunch kind of like bitching about, well, God, can you believe what Archer said? I'm like, he's right. <laughs> don't you, you know, don't you guys realize he's right? I, th- I think most everybody over there is of the opinion that most of the people I've ever encountered in the building are of the opinion that even when they don't like it, they're like, as long as you're fair, just don't be personal. Don't be, don't be snotty about it. Don't, don't be a a D basically. Yeah. I've always felt like that. If you have a problem with me, you could come up and tell me you have a problem. Jason, Jason Witten did that with me one time. I told, Mm. you know, he grabbed me in the locker room and said, Hey, come here, (laughs) come here. And he dropped about six F bombs on me. And, and, you know, and I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I was part of the staff that drafted him. Yeah. And I thought, you know, he was a friend, but he, he dropped, uh, seriously, he went off on me for something that I wrote and said, you know, but that's, but that's, that's what Jerry Jones, and I hope the documentary, I know we're talking about Jerry a little bit. Mm-hmm. I hope the documentary really dives into who he is. And there's a lot of things you probably can't get into ten, the- 10 part series. Yeah. If these are hour long episodes, there's going to be plenty of it. Apparently there's going to be unused footage from NFL films from over the years. There you go. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this quote uh, that Rick Goslin told me one time, yeah. the, the legendary hall of fame voter, former Dallas morning news reporter. Uh, he said, Jerry told him very early on. He said, I don't, I got big shoulders. I don't care what you write about me. Yeah. He said, just as long as you spell Dallas Cowboys, right in your headline. Yeah. That's what he wants. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did all right guys uh, i gotta tell you really quick uh before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at love the star it is boomer jacks I've, I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now brian and i both have uh we love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there uh enjoying a cold beer enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else uh, it warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around, and it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers. Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. Is there such thing as a fan litmus test? And what I mean by that is, is there a question that you would ask a Cowboys fan that if they answered it a certain way, you would decide in your head, I'm not talking Cowboys football with this person or this person isn't a real fan or whatever else. Uh, This is something that came up on Reddit recently and Brian and I decided to kick it around on Tuesday and get some of the thoughts from the listeners on it as well. This was a topic I had seen on Reddit. Brian 
And I found it to be an interesting question that I thought we could kick around here uh, with Tolos on the charcock.com fan text, 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053, and also get your thoughts on it. By the way, this was when you gave me this topic, mm-hmm. I really had a hard time with it. I'm interested to see how this is going to go. You, do you have a hard time with it because you're you're concerned about the idea of being the arbiter of truth? Like being like, there's no, a, I, d- I didn't know how to really answer the question. Well, here, here is the question. The, lit- and, the litmus test, yeah, right? Yeah, basically. And we'll All let right. you guys weigh in on the fan text. Like I said, the question Maybe is. I'll figure it out as we go along. What here. is a single question that you could ask another Cowboys fan where the answer lets you know whether or not you'd even want to engage in football talk with them? Basically, the question that just okay, says. I got one here. All man. right. Do you, do, you, do you know what you're talking about or don't you? And obviously, yeah. it could be as simple as like, you know, somebody saying, I don't know, something ridiculous. Like, like I mean, I know everybody's going to assume that my I would jump straight to, well, if you think Dak sucks, then I, I can't help you. I, I can't help you if you think Dak sucks. I, this this actually inspired me because somebody I remember years ago, it was not even a Cowboy fan. Somebody said their litmus test for talking to an NFL fan of understanding of do you watch the games uh-huh. and understand the games or are you just taking talking points and yeah. kind of doing that sort of was there they said their litmus test was romo that if somebody said romo sucks then it made them say okay you don't know football i can't talk football with you if you think romo sucks i can't talk football with you and that was somebody who was not even a cowboys fan that was just an nfl fan that i knew uh but i'll let i'll let you go first since you've got an answer what 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 is what is your question i think i think if i asked you a question about malik hooker and you told me that malik hooker's like Boy, you can you could really do some great things with Malik Hooker at safety. I don't think you're watching the Cowboys play. I I really do believe that they need to be better at free safety. And if you and if you're one of those guys or gals that are super positive about Malik Hooker, I don't know if you're really watching the defense play. I don't know that I'm super positive about Hooker. I feel like Hooker doesn't. Am I too critical of Malik Hooker? Um. I mean, I, I do, no, I, I do feel like he is one of those guys that needs to be replaced on the um, de- on the defense. I think you could get better there. I don't know that you're going to easily get better there for the dollar amount. I, you know, it's weird. There's this weird. He's inconsistent. There are times where he's good, I think, and then there are other times where he's just. I have no idea what he's doing. I kind of feel like, man, this this might be just a way out of you know, swinging out of the box kind of a thing. I kind of feel like I'd rather see like Jordan Lewis move to free safety. And and maybe his the physical traits aren't there for a free safety. I mean he But he, I feel like he's super smart. He sees the field well. He tackles well enough. You can match him up. If you're gonna use Wilson and and Curse as their and, box guys. As really. those box guys that maybe you could play you could play Lewis deep, and if he's always kind of around the ball, you know that's what I really like he's, about him. He's got good balls because he was a, he was a I think he was all state uh, wide receiver when he played yeah. at Cast Tech in high school. So I mean, Jordan Lewis played receiver in high school. He's got ball skills. He is physical. He's smaller, but he'll he he has no fear. If you told me that if you told me another one, if you told me Israel McQuamu is not really a good player as a bust, I, I don't think you're watching no. the game either. Now I don't know how much me. you would have gotten a chance to have seen him, but when we see him, he looks good. Yeah, I you know, I mean we 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 have the the you know, we're fortunate we get to watch him in practices and stuff like that. And you can kind of see him move around. You can see him play in the slot and 
for a tall guy, he's got the range and the ability that you like. But if you told me, like, yeah, we I could do without Israel McQuamu, and I I kind of feel like that maybe you're really not watching the game because yeah. I I think there I think there's going to be a place for him on this defense. I think they're going to figure out a role for him. Maybe in that sub package where we talk about the nickel, the dime, the five, six defensive backs coming on the field. This is where I think Israel McQuamu might be one of those guys, especially yeah. in the dime yeah. stuff. Here's the question that I would throw out there. Do you think Terrence Steele should be the starter at right tackle? If the answer is no, yeah. then, I go, then I don't know that you're watching the games. Like, I think you're living off of Tyron Smith's previous reputation and you're thinking he's still the same guy. Or you're thinking, well, he was good at right tackle last year. He wasn't. He was not good at right tackle really, last year. He really wasn't. Now, like, that's why I say I, I, I narrow it down to Terrence Steele starting at right tackle because I don't want to say if you think Tyron should start at left tackle still and Tyler Smith should play at left guard for now, I disagree with that, but I, it doesn't mean I can't talk football with you. If you just flat out think the tackles should be Tyron at right and Tyler at left, it's like, I don't know what you watched last year. And I, I don't know what you've seen that tells you that's the way it should be other than you're just going off of reputation and things like that. So that would be the one for me. A couple of the answers that we're getting here on the truckwreck.com fan text. Let's see what you think about these, Brian. Uh, first one, the Alec Medford special. Name the teams in each division. So they feel like if you can't name the teams in each division, they, they, they're they not going to be able to talk football with you. Uh, Cowboys question here. Does Dak actually suck or do you just hate the guy? I think uh, I think there's a lot of sports hate going on there with Dak. Well, I, I don't think there's anything you can say negative about Dak as off the field or leadership or anything like that. What's his floor? If you were to rank the quarterbacks Why, in the NFL, what's his floor to you? Like top what? Oh, he's I think he's top eight quarterback. So would you say if somebody says he's, he's if somebody tries to argue he's outside the top fifteen, is that something that, you that, go, Okay, well yeah, I can't talk I can't, I can't talk, talk no, football I can't with talk, you. No, I can't. And, and that's where I think that we all have disagreements about where he ranks. I I would think it's silly to have him outside the top 10. If you have him outside, for me, the top 12, I'm like, you're really stretching to try and find 12 quarterbacks you could find that are better than I, him. I can't understand. I can't understand. I can understand. Okay. I can understand being critical of him. Mm-hmm. I can't understand the hate for him as a player. Yeah. Is that, I, I, does that no, make no, sense? I, no, I, I totally get it. I mean, if you want to be critical, and I I feel a lot of his shortcomings are due to his absolute overtrust in guys that let him down, like the Noah Browns, the you know Michael Gallup's. Mm-hmm. There were several guys, and he just kept saying, "You know what? I'm just going to keep throwing you the ball. I'm going, you- to, I'm going to keep trusting that I'm throwing you the ball that it's going to work out." With Gallup, do you think? Do you think basically that that was something that shit like did did he have the right amount of trust in Michael Gallup pre injury and then when the guy came back and he maybe wasn't the same with after the ACL do you think it's possible that just Dak maybe didn't adjust quick enough or Dak went oh okay this isn't the same guy I developed trust with yeah that's I think that's the bigger issue I think that he I think he was happy to see thirteen back out on the field I don't think thirteen was ready to play. Last year, and I think Dak is. I think Dak is one of those guys that, if you're lined up in that huddle with him, he is going to find ways to get you the ball, and he didn't go away from that fast enough. Like Noah Brown and others. I mean, 
it, it should have been like just feed Schultz, feed Schultz, feed you know feed feed Lamb, feed Pollard if you can, you know. But he he should have he should have pivoted quicker away from those guys that were causing him turnovers. Next one here uh, we've got from the two eight one. Uh, the people who always talk about how many criminals are on the Cowboys. That's kind of that's, an expired that, take. That is a, yeah, that, that is a, that, that's one. You're, you know, that, the, that they're absolutely right. If you're just that. like, oh, all they do is they have all oh, the yeah, crooks. Yeah. That's not, I if mean, they, I, they keep, they keep reverting back to the White House days. They, like they, had, this look, team, they had a bad stretch. They did. No they doubt. absolutely had a bad stretch, but it, it's, I, I think it, it started to kind of turn around in the Garrett administration and they've had far less problems with under the McCarthy administration. Here's a really interesting one from the 817. On, and we're talking about litmus test questions. Like the questions you would ask a Cowboy fan that their answer would tell you if you feel like you can actually talk intelligently with them about football. The person who still blames Jerry for everything. That's very convenient to do. Because I, he's somebody who I, I think it was more relevant maybe... 20 years ago than it is now. Absolutely. He very much delegates and submits to consensus. Yeah. I think he, I think he will pull rank every now and then, but it's not a ton. I think there have been plenty of times in recent years where he has not agreed with what the consensus said, but the consensus said something. He went, I'm trusting you guys. We're doing it this way. Yeah. He, you know, he's, he is very, it's, it's almost low hanging fruit too, because it's the easiest thing when things go bad, it's easy to blame Jerry. It's it's a lot harder to really dig in and figure out. Well, wait a minute now, the offensive line coach doesn't really like this guy, or the running back coach is, you know, the whole thing with like, you know, Malik Davis and the things that we were learning about Malik. You know, everybody's like, why, you know, why weren't they playing Malik? Yeah, why were they? What, what's the problem? Why, you know, Pollard goes down and 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 you know, it's like, so you start blaming coaches, you know, and maybe you should have blamed the player a little bit. You know, if you really you dig in on things, but it's Jerry is a very low hanging fruit that you can blame everything on. Uh, next one here, five seven five. If someone still sees Ezekiel Elliott as a lead back in the NFL, yeah. Do you think that's an expired take? That makes you say, all right, you're kind of going off reputation there you than, know, than what the tape says about that player. Yeah, I think that you can clearly, but but man, how about the times on fourth down on the goal line and. They run Pollard in there three straight times. He gets stopped all three times. And then what they do, they knife Zeke off the left side and you know he falls forward and gets in the end zone. And you're kind of like, okay, that's that's not underrated. That's not an underrated skill he has right there. You know, finding a way to finish forward when everyone else is getting stopped or knocked sideways or not getting any yards. 817, and I believe this is in reference to whenever there's a strong supporting cast. But it says when people say uh, anybody can play quarterback, they must have forgot the years after Troy. That was a rough time in my life. So whenever they that, say anybody can hey, win with the supporting cast, trust me, I, I I was I lived that whole thing with with after Troy. You know, I I would have just trust me, I would have done anything in this day and age. The way that you're able to kind of get quarterbacks and like high caliber quarterbacks, and you know, man. If I'd still probably be in the NFL if that was if we still were able to get guys like they have today. You get Aaron Rodgers, you know, my gosh, I'd have you know tell him what I would have done to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers to help us after Aikman. Eight one seven, the Romo was a bad quarterback guy, or the Romo was a choke artist guy. Romo mm-hmm. carried uh, some bad teams at times. 
Uh, that's that's also one that like look. I mean, I make anything Romo is probably a take. That I'm, you, I make jokes about Romo yeah. a lot, but like I mean, absolutely. Like Romo got far too much hate and became incredibly underrated. I think during his playing career, there are things that he deserved. Sure, there, there are things that he clearly deserved. If Romo was ever the leader of of Dak Prescott, it, that he he would have there would have been that that team would have been probably a lot different. Yeah, like I so outstanding player, but I don't feel like that Tony became very much him and Jason Witten. It was a very very small group and clicky. The, yeah, very clicky. And then all of a sudden, 2016, Dak comes in and and Romo's trying to have uh, like, oh well, hey, let's have a party at my house and all that. And the guys in the room are looking at each other like, whoa, wait a minute, when did this all start? Yeah, you know, Dak Dak is the leadership qualities of Dak are rare. And if Romo ever had those, man, I think he would be even high, more highly respected in uh, by fans because this, he didn't have the leadership qualities that Dak has. This is something we talk about sometimes on the morning show with Sean and RJ because people always default, obviously, to the leadership qualities with Dak. And I know that Sean and RJ's argument is they say it's like talking about a girl and you say... Uh, well, she has a great personality. What yeah. you're saying is she's not pretty. That's what that's what Sean and RJ say. It's like when you talk about the leadership. But he class. doesn't play pretty. So, that's the thing about it. But, he's not a pretty player. He makes mistakes and he's aggressive and he and he you know and to a fault, to a fault. I mean, a lot of his undoing happens to be because he trusts people around him. He trusts these receivers. He trusted Kellen Moore. You know, now they now they've got rid of guys. They he trusted Doug Nussmeyer. They got rid of him. You oh, Nussmeyer. That was. Yeah. I think that was the one. So you've been around enough rooms. I feel like every quarterback in the NFL needs somebody in the room who can tell them, sit down and shut up. Exactly. And Nussmeyer was Dak's sit down and shut up guy. Yeah. And not that Dak's an incredibly difficult player or anything like that. I don't, I don't want to say anything like that. But quarterbacks obviously sometimes oh, get frustrated. Settle down. And, they, and yeah. Doug yeah. Nussmeyer yeah. was the guy that Dak respected and said, all right, Nuss. All right, yeah, you're right. I need to calm down. Yeah. Or, or yeah, all right, yeah. you're, you're right. I, yeah. I'm. I need to the just voice sit down. a reason. You need a voice of reason in the in the in the room. Every quarterback needs it. Yeah. I, I mean, that was something that you know when Brady loses his mind, or when when a quarterback starts going off. It was. It's that famous clip of uh, Peyton Manning going after uh, Jeff just Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. And I, I think it was. Who was it? Was it, was it a tackle that really the real good tackle? Seventy eight. Yeah, uh, was it Tariq Glenn? My, it, yeah, it's Tariq yeah, Glenn. Yeah, and so Glenn. he got up and he's like, sit, and immediately yeah. he's like, all right, all right. He's like, all right, I'm calm, I'm calm. Like you need somebody on the yeah. t- and that was Nussmeyer. Nussmeyer yeah. was the guy who would say that. I, I think that that was a bit of a mistake there, but uh, bringing that all back, Romo, absolutely. I think the was Romo a good player? Whenever yes. anybody says he was a bad quarterback, it's like okay, no, really you're, you're following you're following lazy narratives yeah. that don't add up to the reality at all. Good player and questionable leader, as far as his teammates believed. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is. 
Boomer Jacks. I've, I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. Uh, we love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, it warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. Okay, so since we were on the radio, we didn't get a chance to do a Dean Julia Love the Star mailbag, but we did something a little bit close to that. Uh, Brian Broaddus had a few Cowboys questions for me to answer. And we kicked around a couple topics facing the team, uh, some either or stuff, some fill in the blank type stuff. Uh, And so we discussed the Dallas Cowboys and some of the pressing questions heading into the 2023 season. Krusty's corner today, Robert got something for you. Kind of all cowboy related stuff. I think our fans will appreciate this. I'm ready. Krusty's corner. Question number one for Robert belt. Why do we trust Dan Quinn and not Mike McCarthy? Uh, because the last time we saw Mike McCarthy doing what he's going to be doing this year, Mm -hmm. it was a failure. And you had one of the most prominent players in the NFL, somebody who's considered a very high IQ player in Aaron Rodgers, who was very clearly openly critical about the things that he was doing. I think there was similar skepticism about Dan Quinn when he first got here because people thought of how things collapsed in Atlanta um, not just in that Super Bowl, as as you've said, you talked to somebody in Atlanta who said we were all ten minutes away from us keep you know they all they were all ten minutes away from all getting five year contract extensions yeah, from from having streets named yeah, after them probably yeah, yeah um and so I think that just the way it ended you know it, the Cowboys helped in 2020 helped kind of put the nail in the coffin on Dan Quinn's career in Atlanta when they blew when the Falcons blew that lead in yeah. week two against the Cowboys so I think there were similar questions about Dan Quinn it's just this is two years now where he's shown what he can do and he's earned the trust. And so I think the difference is Dan Quinn has given you something, something tangible that you can look at and say, we need to trust this guy. And at times where there've been questions about what they were doing or what his approach was, we've come away from it. And in the end said, no, that this ended, he ended up being right. And so we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I think you're completely on the set thing. I'm, I think this is so much unknown right now with the offensive coaches and I want to trust Mike McCarthy and I want to believe that 70% of the offense stays and him and Brian Schottenheimer and the others have kind of figured out what the other 30% is going to be. Hopefully mix in a screen game. Yep. Some deceptives there. Hey, Jeff Blasco, the new running backs coach. I think he, that's definitely something he wants to have yeah. happen. I think we interviewed him and he was like, was a good interview. I said, I'll throw you a parade down a, down Main Street over he here is, if you just find a way to get a screen game going. Boy, he is a fiery guy. He is a really he, fiery guy. You, you, you can hear him on the practice field every time. I love it. Him and Robert Prince both. I, I hope I hope at the end of it, though, we can trust Mike McCarthy. Absolutely. I think I, that's I, what's I hope, best for everybody. I hope, I, I hope we can trust Mike I McCarthy. I want too. Mike McCarthy to be successful because it means yeah. the Cowboys were successful. All right. 
Bobby Belt question two. And you guys can weigh in on the truck rack.com. Yeah, feel fan free to read those. 877 881 And 940 says, I asked that question a lot. We trust Ken Quinn after he literally drafted the Falcons into a bottom feeder. And yeah. so it's a fair question. All right, Bobby. What if Mozzie Smith is just okay? Oh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to expand a little. What if Mozzie Smith is just okay in as 2023? Pl- yeah, or what if Mozzie just, Smith as just, for his career is just okay? At 2023. Do you expect him? Do you, do you expect him to be better than okay? And I mean, you know, when I say okay, I, I it's maybe a terrible question. No, no, no. But what if he's just okay? He's just okay. Okay is better than what you were getting at a lot of times from your one techniques in the sure, game. Sure. And so is it a disappointment? It might be a little bit, but okay is still an improvement. And look, I think that it's funny. Mozzie Smith and Derek Lively have some interesting little parallels here. Derek Lively, the Mavs first round pick Mm -hmm. in that for the questions about, well, how much can they develop into this? How much can they do? How much can Mozzie Smith do the pass rush part? How much can Derek Lively develop the offensive game? How much can they do the sexy stuff? And it's like, okay, but here's what you got to understand is that right now, today, the day you picked him, Mozzie Smith instantly became one of your best run defenders. Yeah. The day you picked Derek Lively, Derek Lively instantly became your best interior defender. So those are the things where it's like, hey, look, the very floor here says you've improved. And so take that improvement and bank on the upside. So if he's just okay, which is totally possible, he's still a raw player. Um, I think that just okay is still a little bit better than what you were getting in terms of run stopping at the one technique, but... It would it would be a a bit of a disappointment, but it, it's it's probably going to take a little bit of time with Mozzie. I just I just want Mozzie Smith to be when we get to training camp that he's like playing really well with his hands and he's active and he's up the field and maybe a rep or two he's kind of getting the best of Zach Martin, you know that kind of, or he's beating Biotish on a reach block, you know that's what I want to see. Here's here's. An interesting point brought up from 214, and I'll kick this question over to you. Is OK Mozzie better than Tristan Hill? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but question. didn't we also feel like Tristan Hill at the very least would be OK? Yeah. Like at the very minimum, he'll be OK. That's why, look, if you want to be terrified of where the Mozzie Smith pick, which there were a lot of Cowboys fans who were, if he becomes Tristan your Hill, your biggest worry should probably be that he's because when you hear the discussion about him, Man, he's a freak athlete, and yeah. he's still raw, but he's got all this ability. That was it was similar discussion about Tristan Hill when they picked him. Yeah, I, I never felt great about Tristan Hill. I feel better I, about, about Mozzie Smith. Smith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right, question three: Is there a chance that Deron Bland is the best corner on the squad? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe one day. Maybe we look at the end of his career. We will. Um. He's a really good player. Stefan Gilmore was still very good in man coverage sure. last year. Trayvon Diggs is still, to me, a top, without counting it, like without looking at it, I would still, I would lean towards Trayvon Diggs as a top five corner in the NFL for me. Yeah. And so, in that sense, I just, I don't think Deron Bland's going to step up and be top five to ten corner right away, but he is... His trajectory is pretty good after year one, right? I think he absolutely has an ability to be in this secondary for the next, potentially, the next decade. Because I think he's a a really good player who does a lot of different things for you. And I I just, I don't see regression there. But Mm -hmm. I I don't think right now he can be better than Diggs and Gilmore. 
I'll tell you what, man. I think he's got a real future. I don't know if he'll be the best, but I mean, I think he's going the right direction. Two, two, one, four. Who's better in three years, Brian? Deron Bland or Eric Scott? Oh, Bland. I think Bland as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're, I think there's a lot of really positive things about Scott, but there there could be some there could be some growing pains for him. Yeah, it's still very raw. Yeah, very raw. Okay, here's my next question. Number four: Is there too much pressure on Jalen Tolbert this season? Um, man, that's a, a good question. It's an interesting one. Let me think here. I mean, I, is is it is this is there too much? Because after what he went through last year, in terms of what the team is asking him to do, or outside media everything, pressure, everything that I, he's having to deal with, the fans, the team, himself. Is he? Is there too much pressure for him? This is such a straddle the fence answer, which I know you hate. These I, why, don't even do it. If you're going to do that, no, but don't, here's don't what, here's, do it. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. Don't do it. Let me say it. Let me say it. Here's, here's my answer. Don't make me Don't make me go Mike Bassick screaming here. <laughs> All right? No, here's here's what I'll say. We, like, is it too much? I will have to see what his mental makeup is. Yeah. We'll get the answer at camp. If he's having issues, if he's doing things like, because it clearly was too much for him last year where he's lining up incorrectly. He's making middle school football mistakes and not checking in with the, you know, the side judge there. Mm. So we'll have to see in that sense. I don't think it is. I think he's going to bounce back. When we've heard him do interviews this offseason, it sounds like he identified what was wrong and addressed it. I worry that there might be too much pressure. It's a lot of pressure. That, like there's like there's the expectations not only of his own, but the front office and the fan base, I think wants to say, okay, the Cowboys are a good drafting team. This is a guy they thought about maybe drafting in the second round. I think your quarterback is probably telling him, yeah, I need you to, I need you to be better this just, year. I need you to be better. Yeah. I just yeah. wonder if he can handle the pressure. 817 uh, says, absolutely not. He needs to perform where he's out. 787 says, Tolbert does not have the mental makeup for the NFL. Bus, I'm not willing to say that, that yet, but I think See, this year will be very telling. There's your pressure right there. Yeah. The fan base is yep. kind of like, you're you're going to be a bust, bro. Yep. You're a bust. Okay, my last question for you, mm-hmm. Robert, here on the Krusty's Corner for the 4th of July holiday. Which Scott needs to be better, McCurley or Tolzien? Ooh, and 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 Scott McCurley is the linebackers, linebackers coach, coach who had been demoted. Yeah, and now he's back. Not in title, he had always been the linebackers, but George Edwards was George, the linebacker exactly. coach. Exactly. Scott Tolzien. Scott Tolzien's the quarterback coach. Yeah, and Scott Tolzien's got the most pressure. To me, Scott Tolzien, uh, like like we've mentioned before, your quarterback was not happy that his coach was let go. He was not happy, and so there's... So there's always going to be those glances? I, I don't think he has an issue. I think he likes Scott Tolzien a lot. Yeah. But you got to remember, you're stepping into a job where your quarterback probably thinks there shouldn't be a different person standing in front of me right now. Yeah. Now, to be fair, on the other side of that, Micah Parsons probably thinks I shouldn't be staring at somebody other than I, George that's Edwards. What, that's what I'm saying. He he loved George Edwards. I'm going to say Scott Tolzien is going to be... There's pr- more pressure on him because he's also going to be in charge of... I've been in McCarthy's system. I'm going to help communicate the concepts that he wants. And so there's a lot... I think there's more pressure on Tolzien. I think there's more pressure on Tolzien, too. We, we agreed in the end, even though I straddled the fence on Yeah, Jaylen I Tolbert. hated the fact that you, the Tolbert answer was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for us today on the Love of the Star podcast. A little bit different podcast, obviously, today, as we were sharing some of the content that we had done on 105 Through the Fan on July 4th. Uh, But I hope it was something that was enjoyable for you guys, even though it was a little bit different. And I hope you enjoyed a happy July 4th holiday. Uh, Until next time, I'm Bobby Belt. He's Brian Broaddus. We will talk to you guys later.